Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blinding passion, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his farm. Father God, that you will continue to do a mighty work in each of us to help us to be 
everything that we can possibly be for you, to walk within the harmony of your will. And Lord Jesus, that you would steady our course, as it says in the prayer of Jude 24, that you can keep us from stumbling. And we ask you, Lord, please do that, uh, because we are very apt to stumble, especially when we see uh, apocalyptic events and very scary things happening uh, all at one time across the earth. Uh, it, it certainly gives us this feeling uh, that uh, things are about to explode, but at the same time, uh, that feeling has been very, very hyper-strong uh, in, 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 in cycles and in various, uh, I don't know, time clumps, if you will, whatever. It, it was very strong in 2011. It was increasingly stronger in 2012. Uh, I would argue that it got ever increasingly stronger through 2014, 2015, especially with the prophecies of uh, you know, Obama staying in the office and, and imminent martial law. Um, and then, um, you know, things just got turned on their head. Uh, I believe you call aud- audibles, Father. I believe that your audible calling could extend the amount of years that we are here be- far beyond that which many believers are certainly apt to, to think and the bandwagons that they, you know, would, would, would want to get on, which I was a big major part of uh, between 2011 and 2015, praise God. So I know what it's like to be there, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, for all of the believers out there, all of us that are waking up. We thank you for your long-suffering. We thank you for your mercy. We pray that you will continue to sustain us through the difficult trials and tribulations that many of us are going through in different degrees and at different times. And we pray that we will be positioned, um, whether you are separating us from a member of a family, from a spouse that is would essentially turn us into uh, Satan's army and ultimately get us uh, tortured and killed. Uh, if, if that's what's required, Father, that you you know separate us from 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 people and members of our family that would utterly destroy us and turn us over to the forces of darkness, essentially the brown shirts of the new Nazi uh, Fourth Reich that is rising up across the world right now, even with the leader of, goodness gracious, Klaus Schwab, how obvious could that possibly be? And Father, we just praise you and thank you for helping us to be awake and aware to these things, and we pray that it just draws us in closer, uh, more and more closer. Lord Jesus, let us become unbelievably intimate with you and and we need to take that as a uh like uh, you know something where we take we take control of it in other words we seek you uh you know uh and and we do it fervently and we find ways to get on our knees we find ways to spend intimate time with you we find ways to have those conversations with you that we can't have with anybody else we find ways to be able to sing songs to you to be uh, just absolutely, utterly, totally by ourselves in your presence. And we thank you for that because that is an intense blessing and it changes the dynamics of our walk. It brings us a little bit, little by little by little by little, closer to a place where we all need to be, which is one of absolute and utter trust, no matter what it is we're going through. Help us, Father God, please, in the name of Jesus, to be able to sing our way through the storms as they continue to come rippling at us from all sorts of different directions and never let our guard down because we are in the darkest days that the world that any Christians, I believe, in, has ever seen uh, in the history of the world. And I just praise you, Father God, for uh, you know making us us totally awake and aware to all of these dynamics and also level-headed enough uh, 
in our understanding of the things that are happening around us, to recognize and not become disillusioned, not become really depressed and super feeling sorry for ourselves because of our own life dynamics and how long this is dragging out, but to find that happy medium, to find that place where we can uh, not only draw in closer to you and and cut the umbilical cord between our minds and the things that are happening around the world and only just kind of keep, you know, a little bit of a connection there so that we're, you know, aware of the dynamics as they increase, but not to get sucked into the riptide of the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We already know the sky is falling. And we praise you, Father, for waking us up such a long time ago and teaching us the lessons. They were such hard lessons to learn and to endure emotionally. And we thank you for those lessons and and the learning that came from it. And we pray that we will apply that level-headedness to our walk so that we are able to enjoy the prosperity that we may have for a short period of time as the forces of darkness continue to mount their offensive against your people and and ultimately all of the people of the world in a way that that the world has never seen. And we praise you, Father, for for that that awareness. And we thank you, Jesus, for being uh, an intimate part of our walk. And we praise you, Father, also for every trial and tribulation, because the ultimate goal there is to bring us to that place where we know that we know. It's not just a belief, but it's it's an absolute knowing that you are going to be there for us and that we can trust you to bring us through what appears to us to be absolutely impossible. We thank you for that, Father. Praise your name. And now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of our Heavenly Father with exceeding joy. And to you, Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen.
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I, I keep getting, you know, it's hard for me to not, you know, I, I, I want to disregard the information, but I can't. <laughs> so I, what I do is I put it on a shelf. I've talked about this many, many different times in regard to how I have historically handled prophecies, which, by the way, was a recommendation that came from a missionary preacher uh, that was a close friend of our families back in the 60s and, the, and mostly in the 70s. Uh, praise God. And his recommendation was that you basically, in your mind, you create three different shelves. You got your A shelf, your B shelf, and your D shelf. I'm sorry, C shelf or whatever. And you can... And in your mind, what you do is you put information tidbits, whether they be prophecies, dreams, visions, perhaps their understandings or what you think you understand a particular scripture means, whatever it may be, or, you know, whatever, something that somebody said on YouTube or whatever that you may be listening to that, that's, you know, making some sort of a uh, claim that some major something something event is going to happen, whatever, next week or whatever. They, and beware. If they, if, they, if they mention a time or a time frame, you know, like, this fall or this winter or whatever, invariably that nullifies it in my mind. Uh, you know, there may come a time after all these years, now working on the 12th year, that uh, I am wrong on that. But thus far, uh, 100% of the time that anybody has ever said, you know, the rapture, for example, is going to happen this fall, the rapture is going to happen this next winter, uh, you know, Israel is going to you know, start the Gog and Magog invasion, you know, by, you know, God is told me that it will happen by February, all that kind of stuff, whenever there's a date or a date range, okay, I just, immediately, that just gets tossed. I don't even pay it any attention at all, because thus far, 100% have been incorrect, 100%. Now, what I will not do is I will not throw out the baby with the bathwater. I recognize that, you know, we're on a different, our perception of time is utterly it's just not comparable. It's not comparable to the time that exists in heaven. And, and a lot of people will say things which are incorrect, uh, that there is no time in heaven, and that is actually, well, it's incorrect. Um, you know, it's just that it is eternal time, okay? But there has to be time. Uh, you know, otherwise, how would we have meetings? How would we know when to do this or that? You know, it's not a timeless place. All right, praise God. There is a moment in time when the wedding supper of the Lamb begins, okay? And all of the people that are part of the, you know, the bride of Jesus Christ that have passed away long before us, as Paul would say, have gone to sleep before us, they're all going to be there too. They're not excluded from the marriage supper of the Lamb because they died in the 1600s or the 1200s or whatever the case is. So that's going to be a big event. And, um, you know, and it hasn't started yet. Okay, so that means with, there is a concept of time. But I think what happens is the heart and mind and the spirit of the human that is doing the best they can to prophesy in part uh, is, you know, is befuddled by that delta, that time delta. So when we see words coming down from the throne room that say, you know, your time on earth is extremely short, things like that. Well, you know, all things are relative. You know, if you're looking at what, what, what timeline are you looking at? If you're looking at the timeline going all the way back 2,000 plus years to, you know, to when Jesus was on the earth, or, or, or are you going back even further? And if you're looking at that long of a timeline and, and you see how close we are to our departure in the grand scheme of that timeline from, from a relative standpoint, saying very, 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 very short is actually an accurate 
albeit ambiguous, depiction of the relative time that we have on the earth. Now, you know, now I personally, I hold on to scripture like it's, I can't, like it's the most, like it's the last bite of food on the entire world and I haven't eaten in 10 days. Okay, that's how I hold on to scripture because, you know, that, it, it, it's the king. It is the word. It is the word. It is Jesus. The scripture is Jesus. Okay, now granted, there's, tra- you know, deltas and, tri- you know, translations and stuff like that. I don't get my a bee in my bonnet over that. I have enough electronic and high, high-powered high uh, Bible study programs that I'm able to ferret out the intended meaning of the scripture, you know, to the Greek and to the Hebrew and to the lexicon level and to the, you know, then I can go and look into commentaries and things which are, quite frankly, mostly wrong nowadays. Some of them are helpful. Well, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, they're, unfortunately, whenever the commentaries are about anything that has to do with aliens, well, you can pretty much figure that uh, you can write that commentary off. Okay, and that's okay. You know, we're, we're very blessed uh, because we're part of that time where, you know, people run to and fro and knowledge will increase and, and we, that benefits us. All right, praise God. And we, you know, all have to some degree while the Internet is still up and, and that stuff isn't being blocked, um, some pretty nifty electronic websites that'll help us, you know, Blue Letter Bible, the list goes on and on, uh, that allows us to look at the different translations, to even dig into the Greek and, and stuff, but Quite frankly, most people don't really get the scriptures. Uh, you know, I, they they go diving into the Greek and the Hebrew long before they even understood the most basic meaning of the English that's that they're reading in their uh, favorite translations. So what ends up happening is they get so deep into the weeds they can't tell they're even in a forest. But that you know that's neither here nor there. Everybody has their own. Hey, I've gone through every single every single it, what any idiosyncrasy that a Christian could have ever had, ever. Okay, I've gone through all of them, and I'm not saying I've arrived, but you learn a little bit. You know, if you've made your mind up that you don't want to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a, a you know a different result, eventually, eventually, as was in my case, I was very slow to coming around. It took the emotional devastating impact of the Obama-Trump delta, where Obama did not institute martial law and Trump took the presidency. That was an an emotional impact that is second to none in my walk. And at that point, I had to reevaluate all of the logic, all of the critical thinking that I was applying to the information that I was getting from so many, so very many different sources that I was correlating to come up with, you know, the most likely scenario. All right, praise God. And I've been proven wrong uh, through the analysis uh, tactics uh, that I've been employing, you know, back then. uh, And then since then have been uh, amending them over and over and over again until, praise God, I've come to the place that I am right now. And then along that journey, praise Jesus, the Lord showed me, you know, uh, which I bring up constantly, uh, you know, do not harm the oil or the wine. That mystery verse, which I, you know, phrase, if you will, uh, at the end of the third seal, that to me was revolutionary, okay, because that was the Lord showing me 
because I needed to see it in the Bible. Okay, now there's a lot of things I don't need to see in the Bible, and the Lord will sh- show me in a supernatural way through circumstances, through apocrypha, uh, through testimonies of people over the years and years and years that that these these Bible mysteries uh, are true. Okay, and that you know, and that um, it, it's a long story, but I have a testimony behind virtually every single one of them. One, but one of the ones that the Lord showed me recently was, "Do not harm the oil or the wine." It never occurred to me that that was a direct reference to the bride, which should be all inclusive, uh, meaning the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, and unfortunately, the tribulation saints and the grape harvest in Revelation 14. All right. But anyway, the point is that, um, you know, we we see all the things, and I talk about this all the time, but it is it warrants restating because it, it anchors us. Okay. And we, we definitely see the progression of every single thing we see right now. For example, there we know about the university in Boston that was doing gain of function on the COVID-19 thing. We know that it was uh, 80% deadly to the animals that they were testing it on. There was a big fuss over it, of course, from the NAID, which, of course, you know, Fox is the finder, the stink lay behind her. You know, the pot calls the kettle black, right? So anyway, you know, don't don't think for a minute the NAID wasn't involved in the Boston thing. That's how they cover themselves up. They lie, 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 like Saint and himself. All right, and so what's going to come of that? What's going to come, you know, do you think they're over the whole smallpox thing just because a couple of vials got discovered in a refrigerator in Philadelphia right after uh, the, the most se- some of the most seething evil, stinking, seething evil, festering, stinking, seething evil like Bill Gates, okay, comes out and publicly talks about the world getting, you know, might have another smallpox uh, pandemic. And then three, late, three days later, uh, a, some type of medical professional finds three vials of smallpox in the back of a refrigerator in a laboratory in downtown uh, Philadelphia, which hit the news. And um, that's impossible, by the way. That cannot happen. If the protocols in the bio for, you know, the biohazard level four labs are followed, it is literally, literally impossible for uh, a, a contagion in a vial such as smallpox to get out of that con- containment area. Okay, there are checks and balances in place that rival uh, the the uh, security uh, f- facilities and entryways that <laughs> Snowden had to bypass to get his information out, and he went through a lot of trouble to do that. And that's obviously what happened. It's an inside job, which, by the way, part two of inside job, and it's loaded with foul language. So if that offends you, and I understand it ought to. Um, you know, but boy, is that anyway, that part two is come out on Netflix or anybody who's interested in that, if you can tolerate it. But anyway, it's fascinating because they, they talk, they, they, you know, every single conspiracy theory that is a, actually conspiracy fact, they actually treat it as if it's a ha ha funny, funny and, uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, but when you look at all of these dynamics that have been occurring, we know that there's going to be another pandemic. We know that um, Biden just there was a big thrust uh, from lawmakers to get rid of the um, medical emergency here in the United States. That failed because Biden immediately and it wasn't Biden. It was it was the Antichrist instructing the 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 carcass, the stinking 
foul, odorous carcass of a once maybe human but perfectly possessed shape-shifting reptilian in the presidential position. All right, so you've got the Antichrist behind the scene, Obama, telling him what to do every step of the way. All right, which, of course, that's inclusive of the rhetoric and narrative that is ultimately being fabricated, uh, you know, with the Gates uh, World Economic Forum chief Fourth Reich Nazis that – isn't it fascinating that there's such a humongous Nazi problem across Poland, across the Ukraine, and then you've got the WEF and Gates showing up at the G20 – which is only the 20 most powerful um, capitalistic countries in the world uh, getting together to figure out what they're going to do strategically, you know, together to make the world a better place, if you know what I mean, wink, wink. But anyway, and right there is Klaus Schwab and uh, Bill Gates. I mean, talking about, you know, bringing in some Draco reptilians with wings that are bigger than anybody in the audience, what are they doing there? And the whole world's been talking about it. I'm talking about there are lawmakers out there right now publicly asking the question, what is Klaus Schwab doing there? What is Bill Gates doing there? Well, what they're doing is they're acclimating the entire global community, the the power structure, the global satanic crime syndicate. They're acclimating it in such a fashion that that it becomes normal. Okay, you know, it's just part of the part of the method it's a method to wean someone into a place it's just like how they put the um um you know the, the N- npc thing on your phone so you can tap it on the thing and pay for stuff all that kind of stuff you know it's it's to acclimate people to become used to being able to pay electronically with the wave of a hand for product merchandise etc cetera, etc cetera, right and so that that acclimate occurs over time like boiling frogs so that you know yeah people are going to initially ask oh it's the mark of the beast it's this it's that it's this and whatever blah 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 but at the end of the day they're going to continue to bring these entities of foulness into these creepy things like like it says in the book of Ezekiel when he was uh, pulling the rocks away from the uh, bottom of the temple and was looking and creeping you know all sorts of creeping things and stuff that's what they are and they have the ability to manipulate mass and they can you know, take over a human body. I, I think the the movie Starman with Jeff Bridges does a fabulous job of explaining the concept of a fit extension, a host, a human body that was taken from the DNA of another human. And and they have the ability to basically cause it to grow rapidly into a facsimile of the original, if you will, a hybrid of sorts, a clone of the original uh, human that the DNA belonged to from a strand of hair. That's captured in the very beginning of the movie Starman with Jeff Bridges, which I highly recommend. So God has answered this, the, the hidden uh, information that we would need to have in our portfolio to understand how these weird, creepy things work. Not just read the Testament of Reuben and see that they call themselves watchers and they have eyes like vipers and they were, they're, you know, were brought to the earth to lord it over mankind and blah, 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 blah. But we have a more intimate and scientific understanding of the fact that we're in a quantum physics, uh, you know, uh, type of a, uh, for lack of a better term, I mean, really, it's a type of a hologram. Even um, uh, 
uh, Albert Einstein had said, and I, I really do want to find a poster of this so I can frame it, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, that we live in a hologram, albeit a very convincing one, which is absolutely accurate, um, which, by the way, explains why our Holy Bible tells us, you know, the, the more distant we are from the flesh, the closer we are to God in the spirit, because that's basically just another way of saying the further you get out of the hologram, the closer you come to me. All right, which, of course, makes complete sense when you understand those dynamics and the containment zone that we're all locked up in on the other side of the Orion Belt, praise God. All right, so anyway, so when, when, when we are able to look at all of these things and just give God all the glory for it and, be, and to be ever sensitive to the increase in the intensity of these various dynamics and, note, and taking note, uh, you know, of the Klaus Schwab's at the G20s, taking note of these things, because these are all prerequisites requisite um, uh, programming um, activities that need to take place on a global level. Look, you need the Marjorie Taylor Greens out there to be to, asking those questions public, publicly on Twitter. You need, you know, these different people in, in, in somewhat influential positions to come out and say, what in the world was Klaus Schwab doing at the G? What in the world was, you know, Bill Gates doing at the G? These questions need to be asked. And they need to be asked with great concern and, yeah, admittedly so, a little bit of angry. Okay, but that's good, though. That's good for the body of Jesus Christ because the vast majority of the body of Christ, unfortunately, are the foolish virgins that still think it's okay to, to stock up on ammunition and beanie weenies and kill their way into heaven, which is absolutely antichrist under any circumstance. I actually pray in the name of Jesus that anyone, any Christian, at all that has bought off on the lie from Satan that it's okay to use a gun for or whatever earthly weapon for any reason that that earthly weapon will turn red hot in their hands and burn the flesh off the palm of their hands when they try to you know use use the 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 weapon all right i want i'm begging the lord beseeching him in my prayers that he would save their souls from the pit and burn their hands with that thing and turn it bright red hot hallelujah all right cuz i don't want to see it happen and I, and my sister's even one of them and i i'm not getting into that conversation with her cuz she'll, she'll 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 find a frying pan she'll probably chase me around the house and i don't need that all right praise god i'm too old for that stuff now all right so anyway so it is um, um, it, it, the dynamics that are occurring right now are very powerful, but yes, they, yes, they could last a while. You know, I had, oh goodness gracious, somebody was telling me, like I have this book that I want to read, I just haven't had time, that's uh, talking about the return of the Anunnaki, and it, it's supposed to be pretty in-depth and uh, well-researched, and it's it's claiming something like 2047, and I'm like, forget that noise. Okay, I just, I don't accept that not even for a second. So that automatically goes down to the, like, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F shelf, okay? So I just write that off. See, here's the thing. These entities actually do have the ability to travel through time. Through time. However, what they see when they travel through time is not, a, it's not the, what's, what, it's not reality, and you might say, what do you mean? Well, it's because God controls. He knows the beginning from the end. And the reason he knows the beginning from the end is because he injects judgments. So it's not that these entities can't go like 15, 20 years into the future and see the arrival of the Anunnaki. No, it's not. They, they, they can do that. 
But it is our Heavenly Father that makes the decision of when those things are going to occur by injecting judgments into our timeline so that the timeline that they saw was inaccurate. That's why I don't get, my, get get a bee in my bonnet over you know those sorts of timelines and and some of the stuff that my sister sends you know something about uh, Kim Clement saying that he saw Trump in 2027, which would imply that Trump makes it through all four years of the 2024 presidency, assuming that you know. But then I see them going you know they're they're mounting a massive offensive right now, the Department of Justice, and he's throwing a fit over it uh, for. For probably some pretty good reasons, uh, you know, uh, they're mounting an offensive against him right now to try to take him out, of course, so he's ineligible to run in 2024, which who would think otherwise, right? I, w- I certainly wouldn't. I would have predicted that and probably did a long time ago. So, so the question is, is he even going to live that long? Okay, there are people out there that are very vocal about him not making, not living that long. All right, so we really don't know which one of these audibles that our Heavenly Father will call. And I really kind of think that God doesn't want Satan to know. Okay, I really think our Heavenly Father has given Satan an awful lot of leeway as far as, uh, you know, pestilence, famine, wars, rumors of wars, you know, starting forward, the progression of the six uh, or seven seals, if you will, the scrolls in uh, Revelation chapter 6, those are all progressing forward. We see an uptick in beasts, you know, animals, beasts of the field and stuff, attacking people, very strange incidences. We have the uh, sheep that are now, uh, once again, just like in the year 2012, for those of you who were awake and aware in 2012, and especially if you were listening to this program, you heard a lot about this phenomenon where sheep in different parts of the world, in very large numbers, sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands of them, would start to run for no apparent reason. They would just start to run in circles, and they wouldn't stop running. They would run day and night, 24 by 7, 365. They would just run, run, run run, 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 run in circles, high speed, high speed, like they were in some kind of a, you know, alien uh, tractor beam trance or something, uh, you know, and they, and, and people would look at them and be like, and it hit all kinds of news services and things like that. And they're, oh, there's a strange phenomenon, you know, sheep, sheep in Siberia are all running in a counterclockwise circle. And they, you know, and that kind of stuff, we're starting to see an uptick in that sort of phenomenon now, again, All right. So it's nothing new to those of us who have been awake and aware, but it almost looks like God is allowing uh, kind of like a second major wave of apocalyptic events, very similar to the ones that we've already walked through. Uh, as a part of uh, uh, the 2012 dynamic, as we were, you know, the Uga Chaga Mayans and all the kind of weirdness that was going on in 2012, it was unbelievable. And and it's great that we were, uh, you know, um, you know, aware of it. We were talking about those articles because they're happening again. Okay, so that's that's really fascinating too. But it doesn't, you know, any of these proposed timelines. I don't care if it's Kim Clem, Kim Clement or Satan himself. At the end of the day, I really don't give a dag nabbit, okay, what somebody says regarding any given timeline, because uh, at the end of the day, what we have seen that is highly consistent is that our Heavenly Father is definitely calling audibles. It appears to me that he's doing it 
well, obviously to keep Satan off of his game, uh, while at the same time he's opening up the opportunity for Satan to continue to march us all through the Olivet Discourse and, you know, the period of sorrows and, uh, you know, continue to, you know, progressively, albeit very slowly, roll out the scrolls primarily, the second seal, that's Russia, the third seal, global financial collapse, well underway, the fourth seal, World War III, but it's all, all these things, there's bits and pieces of each one of the, uh, of the second seal, the third seal, and the fourth seal. Those are major in play. And, um, and there's also little tiny tidbits of the sixth seal that are starting to, you know, kind of wriggle their way up into our purview, uh, you know, as there's, you know, an ever-increasing uh, awareness associated uh, with, um, you know, the, 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 we'll just call it the fallen angel alien dynamic, which is highly complicated and most people overly simplify it. But you know what? I never, I, you know, look, the way I see it is if somebody says the aliens are evil and whatever they call them, I don't care. As long as they, is, that's fine. Uh, you know, because trying to help a person to get to the place that we are with our understanding of uh, the trillions of life forms, the fact that Daniel and uh, uh, I believe it's a chapter 2, verse 43, where he had seen a watcher, a holy one. So you've got holy watchers. You know, it's you know this notion that once a being becomes a watcher, that they're bad. Um, that's not that's that is an, a completely inaccurate characterization of of the definition of a watcher. A watcher doesn't become a naughty watcher until the watcher turns against the mandates of God and comes down and does bad things like you know the whole. Uh, Mount Hermon deal and, you know, the taking daughters and, or, you know, of men and turning them into their wives and all that other creepy crawly stuff, you know, that we had, you know, with anyway. So we're, we're definitely progressing forward. We, ne- we definitely got to take a little bit of a chill pill, but we want to take the advantage, as I've mentioned many times before, of drawing in closer to the Lord, finding a place where, you know, we can hang out, you know. Maybe take up some hobbies, maybe do some more bicycle riding. I want to try to do some of that stuff, although my job is going crazy, so we'll have to see how that all pans out. Um, But, um, you know, I'm going to try to wedge into my life, okay, even though I'm in a supermax, I'm going to try to wedge into my life uh, some something, some extra things uh, that will, uh, you know, allow me to get some more exercise, maybe, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but I, I, you know, to occupy, we need to get to a place where we can occupy and we're not spending the entire weekend, you know, watching Hallmark movies and boo-hooing, you know, that kind of stuff. All right, we we got, you know, we really want to be careful with our P's and Q's uh, during this period of time because it, it, it really, it has a way of drawing you in. And I know that firsthand. I'm the king of being drawn in. So, um, you know, it's not that we don't want to watch. It's not that we don't want to be very aware of what the scripture is. It's not that we don't want to be checking the boxes. It's not that we don't want to see the events that we know are going to happen because of multiple confirmations from multiple prophecies, dreams, and visions over 60, 70 years, sometimes hundreds of years of time. It's not that we don't want to be aware of those things and check those boxes, okay? But we don't want it to become, 
predominant in our emotional makeup and how we handle ourselves in our lives. We need to have it be like 85% Jesus, 85% prayer, 85% residing in the secret place of the Most High, 85% reading the Scripture, 85% being full of the Holy Spirit and walking in, uh, you know, the gift, you know, uh, you know, in, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit as much as we possibly can, uh, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, and that needs to become who we are, and it needs to be f- made fully manifest even before any miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's been promised uh, only through prophets. And we don't know. There's been a lot of things that have been promised through prophets that have not come true, and we have no evidence that they ever will. Okay? So, uh, you know, again, there's, you know, we're just going to have to wait it out and keep our heads together. We'll keep on watching. Recognize the the two big trigger events. In the midst of it all, the two, don't forget, the two big trigger events are the global financial collapse and the collapse of the petrodollar, which will take down the ATMs, all the banks, everything in the United States of Babylon the Great. So the United States of America, when the United States of America hits, get, goes through a f- global financial collapse with everybody else, the banks of England, the Deutsche Bank, all of them go down, the Federal Reserve goes down, the International Monetary Fund goes down, the World Bank goes down, all the, you know, there's a rush on the banks, nobody can get any money out, the ATMs don't work, uh, you know, whether or not that's going to happen because of a giant, you know, uh, EMP or something, or just, uh, you know, uh, grid, you know, the electronic grid uh, being taken down intentionally, we don't know, uh, but it's going to happen, however they trigger it, it's going to happen. And when that happens, that is arguably the biggest trigger event for the bride, for the for the hopeful barley harvest, early departure, first fruits, bride of Jesus Christ, to start looking for that big spaceship to get on all the TVs, that trigger point where we know that we should hopefully, if, if the timing is even close, uh, it would only be a few, we- few weeks at most before our actual departure occurs from that point forward. But anyway, um, but these things are all queued up. We also need to have the manifestation of the Antichrist and and the alien thing, okay, again, that the manifestation of the Antichrist is what the vast majority of Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is talking about, all right? It also throws in it, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 11, it says, And I, God, send a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie. Okay, that's the coming of, you know, that's the aliens, all right? And they're going to come in very large groups, okay? There's going to be no question about it. Everybody the worldwide is going to see them, okay? So, so that that event, you know, because they want to show themselves to the entire world as our saviors, okay, and 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 you know, and and that is essentially the lie. I know there's a lot of versions of it out there on the internet, but I can tell you they're not correct. Okay, if, if they have not identified the strong delusion as being the the revealing of exceedingly powerful minor gods, fallen angelic beings that that can do what any 
one any any member of mankind on planet earth would perceive as being an absolute miracle okay and and per, and perceive them truly as being our creators they having such incredible godlike powers um uh, you know it's that whole uh you know um Arthur C Clarke thing you know any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic okay so we have to understand that's exactly what the strong delusion is all right, and and it lines up perfectly with, you know, uh, you know, uh, stars falling from the sky like a shig, fig tree shaken by a mighty wind, which also aligns with this star metaphor for fallen angels that you find in Revelation chapter twelve. So again, the the Bible confirms itself over and over again when you know what the different uh, events are that are going to happen. The key for us though is that we want to strive to be all that we can be. We want to continue to serve Jesus and and feed his sheep. We want to touch people's lives. We want to give until it hurts. We want to be full of love, love our Father with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, love Jesus and just be in love with him and sing to him and be intimate with him in every way that you can even imagine. And that needs to be our focus and will be in the right place to be able to receive whatever supernatural outpouring will be necessary for us to do uh, the work that will be our work uh, prior to the departure of the first fruits barley harvest. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get off this alien demon infested rock as soon as humanly possible. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So again, I don't get myself all wound up and oh no, you know, because my sister's sent me some Kim Clement thing. It said 2027. To me, it's completely irrelevant because what I definitely know beyond any shadow of a doubt is that our Heavenly Father is calling audibles and and the, the throne room of God is exceedingly busy. And so we could see anything happen at this point, really. Anything can happen at this point. So all the different trigger events, whether it be Kim Jong-un, whether it be Taiwan, although I, ha I don't have any prophecies, dreams, and visions to back that, but the Cascadia subduction zone, we got that queued up. We got the two tactical nukes being shot from the you know jet uh, the jets uh, at the Fort Al facility in Iran. That's going to really make Russia so angry. So anyway, we got all these different things skewed up right now. We're watching the global financial collapse close in very slowly, very darkly, very evilly uh, against all of humanity on a global scale, hitting the European Union first and going to wriggle its way into Babylon the Great over here, coming soon. And, um, you know, but but. As, as, a, as a case in point to keeping our heads together, remember all of the, the lawmakers, the very important people in the know, meaning well, were warning about you know the Monday of Thanksgiving, which is going to be tomorrow. They were warning that that Monday will be the official day that the diesel fuel will run out. And the whole country is going to collapse. They even said the petrodollar was going to collapse on account of it, which makes sense. It makes absolute sense. But look, it's tomorrow. Okay? My prediction is it ain't going to happen. Okay, my prediction is I didn't feel in my spirit that it was going to happen when they were announcing it. But it did, it was definitely feasible. All right, praise God. But anyway, um, and could I be wrong? Maybe I am. Maybe I am. I mean, you can't do this kind of work, you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> Our Heavenly Father says in Isaiah 58, I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's 58. You know, um, uh, as, you know, uh, your ways are not my ways, and you know, as high as the heavens are above the earth, my ways are not your ways. You know, that whole thing. You know, it's a fact. You know, we, and and God wants to keep it that way. Look, if He's going to keep things bouncing off the walls and changing the dynamics constantly in play, calling audibles, shifting things around, uh, you know, uh, to keep Satan off his game, then we're victims of that. And that's okay because we're told what to do. We're told what to do, and we just need to do what we were told to do. All right, praise God. But, yeah, if he's going to be moving things around, uh, you know, we'll call them, uh, you know, pieces on the risk, you know, end of the world, you know, war game board. Uh, if our Heavenly Father is going to be moving pieces all over that board real fast and here, there, and everywhere to keep Satan off his game, which makes sense to me, then none of us are going to figure it out. I mean, that's just how it is. That's why I hold with very little regard. I mean, we're talking about A, B, C, D, you know, maybe even the E shelf, the predictions that are coming out of YouTube, because I, you know, I've collected hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them over the years. I've had many of them documented, and um, very, very few of them have materialized into anything meaningful. I mean, I can remember back in 2011 where you couldn't go, gosh, you, you, know, you could have your top five favorite people that you would listen to on YouTube that you felt were anointed by the Lord and all that kind of thing. You know, until, of course, they come out and call me and uh, David Wilkerson, a false prophet, in the same... <laughs> <laughs> in the same sentence, I was like, I do not deserve that honor. But anyway, um, but, you know, you take any back in like 2011, 2012, you could take your top five favorite YouTube. We'll just call them prophets or whatever. And they would come out and say stuff, you know, and, um, you know, like um, I'm trying to think of some, one of the ones that. It, oh, the ark door is closing. How many out there? How many out there? Give give a round of applause for Jesus. Uh, uh, for those of you who are, have been regular listeners of this program uh, for a long time, let's hear a round of applause for, to Jesus. Okay, if you remember how back in 2011, 2012, 2013, you could not get away from the concept, no matter what you did. No matter who you listen to, no matter how anointed you thought they were, the ark door was closing. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. What are we about twelve, you know, ten years past that right now? That's one slow closing of an art door. So anyway, and I've told people, I've had people panic. You know, they're like, "Oh no, 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 no! That can't happen right now. I, 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 I got I got to get closer to the Lord." You know, I've had people write me in a panic. I, I have, uh, I have a calendar still hanging on the wall over. Here. Well, I'm looking over there. Maybe I took it down. Or maybe it's behind the Jesus flag. I don't know. But I had actually written in big, bold red pen uh, two of my favorite A-list prophets within a week basically said, this is it. It's all over. One of them even said, don't even leave your house. And then I get like a communication from West Coast Walter. You know, he's got two kids and a wife and everything. And he's like going, John, what do I do, man? I'm afraid to go to work. And I'm like, dude, just go to work. I've got I've had 19, 20 year olds, you know, email me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Should I even go to college? My mom and dad want to make sure what should I do? What should I? Go to college. 
Okay. You know, we, you know, ride your bike, you know, try to get a little bit of joy out of life. Keep your eyes and ears on this, but just, you know, we got, maybe, maybe because of the stuff that I've gone through and the massive numbers of miscalculations and mistakes that I've made, uh, before I realized how God was calling audibles and how the dynamics would change on the fly, I, you know, I, that was a big growth spurt for me. Um, you know, and again, I'm still just a sophomore, a freshman at best. And um, so anyway, but I hope that my trials and tribulations and learning experiences that I've gone through are those which can also benefit you as well, okay, so that you don't get sucked into that whirlpool of depression and sadness and giving up and things like that. I mean, I know people. People have written me and said, yeah, I backslid for several years because I realized everybody was, you know, people weren't down the all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you don't want to go there. All right, praise God. And anyway, on that note, uh, and hang in there for me, Sister Terry. I just realized that um, this uh, this uh, discussion, which is important, uh, you know, ran over a little bit longer than I want. But I want to get the kids on, and then I want to rifle very rapidly through the headlines. There's no big surprises. Praise God. It's just more of the same, getting more intense. All right, praise God. Kids, are you ready? All right, kids. What is a turkey's favorite dessert? What is a turkey's favorite dessert? Apple gobbler. (laughs) Apple gobbler is good for everybody, isn't it, kids? Come on. Okay. I thought they were going to boo me on that one. Kids, what sound does a turkey's phone make? What? Well, everybody's got a phone under Obama, over whatever. Um, everybody's got a phone. So turkeys, of course. Well, what phone? What sound does it make? Wing, 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 wing. Right? Turkey's phone, wing, wing. Come on. All right. Spanky, what are you up to? What are you up to? What do you got on that tablet? Oh, that's okay. All right. That's not bad. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. What sound does a turkey make in space? Now, I thought space was like super quiet. But evidently, turkeys can make a sound in space. It says, what sound? What is it? It's hubble hubble? (laughs) You know, hubble hubble? (laughs) Come on. Come on, kids. Work with me here. Boy, these delays, Spanky, are you, what? I think you're behind it. I can see that look on your eyes. All right, praise God. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Wait, get away from the cage. Get away from the cage. Oh, oh you think I'm going to be eating some more crow here pretty quick, huh? Is that it? <laughs> oh, well, you know what? You're probably right. Praise God. Because if things keep on going like they're going right now, this is, you know, I think we're all going to be going nuts. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next thing up is the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, it's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. All right, praise God. I got to play this for you. This is a, um, I don't know. 
I don't know what this guy's name is. It didn't say in the feed, but I want just listen to what this guy. Now, he's got like this whole Rastafarian, you know, hair thing going on and everything. Uh, but, boy, his um, angry uh, dressing of the lawmakers in regard to the fraud uh, in Maricopa County is it doesn't get any more eloquent than this. Um, this needs to go down on on record, in my opinion. But anyway, I'm going to play this for you. Praise God. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. All right, here we go. Hold on. Let's see if I can bring it up. Nope, so far no good. Try again. Nope. Well, now that's just about a bag of weeds. Hold on a second here. Control click to follow. Going to keep on trying. It's really good. But it won't do it. Well, let me just think. Well, the only other thing I can do is go over to the radio show thing, see if I can find it in there. Um, all right. Yeah, there it is. Let me see if I can pull it up from here. Maybe I left part of the link out. Oh, here it comes. Good. Wait. Once again, the eyes of the world are upon Maricopa County for another botched election. Am I here to accuse you of stealing the vote? Heavens no, for that would make me a terrorist, wouldn't it? Let me ask you, if you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills and the teller said, don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here and we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location, and someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that one there. I need to download that one. Um, let me see here in Twitter. Yep, there it is. Sure enough. Yep. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Elon Musk said he was going to uh, put a download button on there for anybody who wanted to download any videos. So I'm going to go ahead and kick that into gear here. Next one up. Praise God. Here we go. A Newsweek reports, and we'll we'll have to wait and see if it does happen. All right. Um, Newsweek reports that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, is going to potential. Well, this is, I'll just read you the headline. Now, whether it comes to fruition or not, we'll see. But the headline reads, Marjorie Taylor Greene will be the House Speaker, according to a former Republican congressman. 
Okay, and that would be absolutely amazing uh, because she's like she's like an Alex Jones uh, grade conspiracy factualist, and so there ain't going to be pulling no wool over that woman's eyes. Okay. Oh, and by the way, there's they can't defraud her out of her because uh, her voting precinct. I mean, it's a red tide every single time. They can't touch her with a ten foot pole. That's because people are awake and they just you know they're just not going to let anyway. But anyway, all right. But it says Joe Walsh, a former Republican uh, congressman from Illinois, is calling House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy out for being a hollow man who will have to listen to everything uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Georgia Republican, says, contending that Greene will essentially be the next Speaker of the House. So we shall see. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right. Massive news site suspended from Twitter uh, for sharing a video of Obama admitting election machine exploits. That's fascinating. So, again, uh, Twitter's still in disarray. It's a heck of a lot better than it used to be. Uh, They just opened up Donald Trump's account, but oddly, they're not opening up Alex Jones's account. So, um, you know, in my opinion, Elon Musk needs to be smacked around a little bit. But anyway, that's a whole nother problem. All right, next one up. WorldNet Daily. Pennsylvania Attorney General announces arrest in a widespread ballot fraud operation. So Becker News reports only days after the midterm election that dragged on for days beyond Election Day. Pennsylvania's attorney announced the arrest of a Democratic consultant for orchestrating widespread ballot fraud that included forging thousands of signatures. I think they said something to the tune of about a quarter of a million of them. Now, that's just one consultant. It really, it's so, there are people out there dancing in the streets and high-fiving and singing Kumbaya and blah, blah, blah. Like, this is like going to change everything. And, well, I have (laughs) two words for you, 2,000 mules, okay? Jury dismissed. (laughs) Okay. All right. Praise God. Next one up. Stock up on bottled water and canned food, officials are telling uh, Germans, people who live in Germany, okay? It said German residents should prepare for short-term power outages this winter. Federal officer in civil protection and disaster relief, Specialist Ralph Teisler is telling everybody. So, again, um, they are continuing to buckle up for what they believe, and I mean the Europeans believe, uh, is the inevitable impact of the Russian sanctions. We shall see how bad that is and how bad it hits us. All right, because there's a similar projections for the United States of Babylon the Great as well, including rolling back blackouts and shortages and supplies and things like that. All right, next thing up. Five killed, 18 injured in Colorado Springs gay club shooting. So we should expect probably to see a whole lot more of this because, quite frankly, people don't like to have that stuff shoved in their face. And uh, and we're getting it shoved in our face. The one thing that has never really happened is that, you know, I, I'm not going to get into it. I, I just hate that subject. I just discuss the two subjects I dislike the most is LGBT, LMNOP of any variety and abortion. I hate those topics. I don't like talking about them. Uh, and uh, it just, you know, now now to bring it up as a point because we, you know, it can sway elections and stuff. That's one thing. But to be, you know, I just, oh, the whole thing just aggravates me. Just something fierce. All right. Praise God. Next one up. All right. Now this is from Health Impact News. I do not know if they are trustworthy. I have never heard of them before, um, but it was sent to me. 
and I'm going to just simply read what Health Impact News is currently saying. According to their analysis of the VAERS database for the population of Europe, at the current moment, there are 48,817 people dead from the vaccines in, in Europe, and there are 5.1 million people that are, well, destroyed for life, okay, injured for life, 5.1 million. And by the way, these numbers are increasing continuously. They never go down. They're just more and more and more and more, which, by the way, was predicted as part of the immunofunction destruction. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Expose reports deaths amongst European children aged 0 through 14 have increased. Get this, 552% since the EMA approved the COVID vaccine for kids. Why we're not having a Nuremberg trial right now and Fauci isn't hanging from the gallows, I just do not know. But thank you, Jesus. I am a citizen of heaven, and I hope that you are too. We are not from here. We are not staying here. So we don't need to allow our emotions to get involved in it. We can read Psalm 91 and not be troubled by a thousand falling to our left hand, ten thousand to our right. Everything's going to be fine. We're not a part of this place. Okay. I know it's hard to divorce yourself from that, you know, that earthly fleshy notion because it's all around you, but you just got to understand that we're 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 <laughs> we are minor I mean really when you want to cut to the chase, the reality is we are minor gods as part of the godhead on a mission on earth. That's it. And we're leaving. And all these things that are so ugly and nasty and awful that are around us, you know what? This is all part of the master plan. This is all part of, you know, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. God is going to use the ugly to bring in more and more of his people. He wants to wake more and more up so that we can bring them and push them over the goal line right into the hands of Jesus. Praise God. Next one up. Canada to introduce the social credit system. Boy, that's hitting a little too close from home. We need to, like, I don't know, maybe we can get a big bulldozer and just dig real deep along the Canadian-American border and, like, shove Canada so it floats out into the the, the Berean Sea or something like that. Because that whole social credit thing, keep that away from me. All right, but then all the cool beavers will leave, and that would be bad because I really like beavers, you know, because they're like, welcome to Canada, welcome to Canada. I mean, they're very cool. Beavers are awesome. All right, praise God. But anyway, social credit system, that's going to be bad, bad, bad news. My my uh, 820 credit rating will go down to like minus 243 degrees Fahrenheit. I'll be like Nibiru. All right, next one up. All right, praise Jesus. CBS News reports three dead as dangerous lake effect storm paralyzes parts of New York. Most of us have heard about the big snowstorm. Is The question is, is that dynamic going to continue to occur, and are we going to have like a snowpocalypse kind of a year again? Well, we'll have to wait to see what happens with that. We don't know. There certainly is a lot to keep our eyes on, though. That is for sure. But as long as the majority of the time our eyes are on Jesus. Amen. Next one up. House Democrats move to allow non-citizens to vote in the United States elections. No surprise there. Next one up. Finland to erect costly high-security fence along the Russian border. That is not a surprise, but I thought it reported anyway. Next one up. Police use tear gas during yellow vest protest in Paris. Oh, I'm so surprised. Next one up. Outcome of Ukraine conflict will help define the 21st century, according to the Pentagon. 
Thank you, Captain Obvious. All right, next one up. All right, CNN Business reports, it's like living in an igloo. People are turning off their heat as the prices are surging. No surprises there. Next one up. Layoffs mount and Main Street still can't find any workers to hire for open jobs. Now, let's explain this for a second. I'll give you the short version. The jobs market, jobs market indices, and the numbers of the jobs market, whenever you hear any information whatsoever, any from any source, ignore it. It's worthless. Okay? Because what's happening is, say, for example, let's use the Twitter thing, for example. Okay? So Elon Musk comes in, he fires, like, you know, thousands of people at Twitter that's located in California. And the wages that they have to pay out there so they're able to live a decent life are very high. So now they're saying, well, but wait, there's all these jobs that are open. Why can't we find people to fill the jobs? These jobs that they're saying is o- are open are like Starbucks. Okay, You don't go from making $250,000 a year to become a, a barista at Starbucks unless you want to be homeless. All right. But anyway, so just don't pay attention to it because it is absolutely irrelevant. There's an old saying about statistics. It's, it's statistics are there's lies, then there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. <laughs> okay. All right. And that's a very well-known saying amongst those people who play in that highly mathematical profession, which is really an alter. It really it's, it's using advanced math to prove nothing. Okay. All right. Next one up. All right. Donald Trump calls on the Department of Justice special counsel appointment is a horrendous abuse of power. He says. Now I'm going to save this one here. I'm going to, for the next show because it's a uh, it, it's something very cool that Donald Trump said at the World Economic Forum, and I really want you to be able to hear that. So let me go ahead and mark that one as a save because uh, accolades, accolades to Donald Trump for saying what he said. Now, like, I admit, I think he's a bit of an ass for the way he's attacked uh, DeSantis. Okay, I just think that's uncalled for. Everybody in the whole world agrees. There was no reason for him to do it. It was childish as a three-year-old arguing over a stupid ice cream cone. But but unfortunately, I guess you've got to have exceedingly immature narcissistic attributes in order to do whatever it is God wants him to do or whatever. So we'll see how that all unfolds. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Um, Listen to this. Alarm sounded. Democrats will try to kill Trump if their raids, their raids on him. I'm talking about, you know, the the weaponization of the Department of Justice, if their attempts to take him out before 2024, according to this report, they believe that they will try to kill him. Now, see, that actually makes sense to me. Much more sense than this notion that he's going to be around the 2027 Kim Clement and all that kind of stuff. And and for those of you who are Kim Clement, I'm not picking on Kim Clement, okay? I know he hit a few things, or at least people believe. He, it's around – Clement is, is a nebulous prophet type of a person, and you can twist his words and make them whatever you want them to be. And I've read a lot of his stuff, and people were just waving flags and saying, oh, my gosh, he, he's knocked the ball out of the park. And I read it, and I'm like going, I don't see any ball getting knocked out of any park. As a matter of fact, so anyway, I'm not worried myself at all about any of that noise. All right, next one up. 
Society's Child reports huge explosions at gas pipeline near St. Petersburg in Russia. So there are multiple places in Russia right now, I want you to know, uh, that are exploding. So is this sabotage? Are they sending in who, – who are these people? Are they United States special ops? Our special ops and CIA is heavily working with the Ukraine right now. So anyway, but we ought to know that by now. Praise God. So, you know, the more they bring it into Russian territory beyond Donbass, okay, and deeper into the actual Russian Federation territory, which supposedly Donbass is now a part of due to decrees, okay, but I don't know. I I guess there's going to be a point where they press Putin's button too far. I don't know. They're trying to, but we'll have to wait and see. Praise God. Next one up. Area 51 website owner who says armed feds raided his home speaks out. It could be your door next, he says, which, of course, is true. But obviously, this particular fellow really probably – he was probably – I would suspect he probably had some pretty decent, legitimate pictures of the Hall of Horrors and some of the cryo uh, cryo lab uh, stuff. And you know, the, you, 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 if you make the reptilians too angry, they're going to knock your door down. Simple as that. Okay, next one up. Elder, elderly man airlifted to the hospital after being trampled by an out of control cow. All right now, there's really no point. This here is a partial manifestation of and the beast of the field, which is at the very tail end of the fourth seal. So you can kind of get a feel for how the uh, second seal, third seal, and fourth seal are kind of unraveling. They're rolling out together. Okay, so um, something that I predicted many years ago because it had occurred to me, wait a minute, there's nothing that says, you know, I used to say, well, God's not trying to trick us because you got the first seal, it's going to be first, the second seal is going to be second, the third seal is going to be third, but then it hit me. The seal's the seal. The events are inside the scroll. See, so you can pop first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth seal, but then the scroll starts to roll out, and they can roll out in parallel. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that explains so much. Of course, that's going to catch a lot of people off guard. Thank you, Jesus, but not us. Hallelujah. Next one up. North Korea warns of all-out nuclear response to United States aggression. And by the way, the ICBM or whatever, you know, intercontinental ballistic missile that they fired as, quote, a test, it is – pretty much unanimously agreed upon by the experts that that particular missile type uh, does, in fact, have the ability to reach multiple locations across the mainland of the United States of America. So that's very fascinating. They've come a long way, baby. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All missile forces re-equipped with uh, the Iskander-M missile systems, according to the Russian Ministry of Defense. Boy, that building, the MOD over in Russia, when that's lit up at night, man, there is nothing like that in the United States. That doesn't even come close. That is one incredible building. But anyway, uh, what they're making, the point they're making here with the uh, Iskander-M missile is they're letting everybody know that the armaments, the missiles, the weaponry that they've been using thus far in the Ukraine is all getting upgraded. Okay, and this is just something they're holding up as an example. Not only that, but there are those who are geniuses. I think General McGregor is one of them that um, have stated very uh, adamantly that Russia's 200-plus thousand call-up of uh, conscripts of, of new military personnel that have been getting trained, they are about to go on a frontal assault. But they're waiting for the ground to completely freeze because 
you know, you run tanks and half tracks and personnel carriers and stuff like that over the same ground all the time, especially in the Ukraine when it gets real rainy and everything, that mud gets so – the stuff will get bogged down. They'll lose equipment. So they need it to, to freeze up, and then they'll be able to make their move nice and fast and unhindered. Praise God. Next one up. Remix reports. German meat industry warns of empty supermarket shelves. Another 40% dump, jump in meat prices. And I fear that that's going to be hitting us pretty soon. Yes, indeedy. I don't know. Probably by Christmas. Who knows? We'll see. It's up to the father. All right. Next one up. Energy crisis in Europe. Finnish food prices hit record highs as the economy tightens. Another headline from CNBC, household debt soars at the fastest pace in 15 years as credit card uses surge. Now, why would people start using their credit cards? Because they don't have any way to pay for all the other things. The, the increases in their homeowner's insurance, the increases in this, the increases in that, the incre- you know, they're, it, you run out. You know, and so that's that's what's leading to that statistic. And unfortunately, that may just I, I suspect that one's very accurate. And that's kind of sad. All right. Praise God. Next one up. All right. Breaking news. G20 leaders issue joint declaration promoting global health passport to facilitate international travel. What else will they include in their little card? I, I already let my passport drop. I mean, I, I just said, oh, the heck with it. I don't want to even bother with that noise anymore. I'm just going to sit here and wait until they drop a bomb on my head. All right, praise, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Five. This is from American Military News. Five, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five NATO aircraft carriers patrolling together in a show of force around Europe. Five aircraft carriers. That is a lot, a lot of military power. So, you know, provocation continues, and it ramps up ever-increasing. Next one up. Hundreds of sheep are walking in circles for 12 days in China, and nobody knows why. We already talked about that earlier. Next one up. Obama says Fox News and right-wing media have created a filter to prevent open minds toward liberal candidates. Pot calling the kettle black, the sick Antichrist entity, foul, foul, creepy, crawly things that are around us right now. Oh, Lord, oh, keep us focused on your face and walking on the water. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Newly elected school board member in the first meeting bans critical race theory. That one there needs this. That's good enough, because that hurts my ears. Yet I try having these headphones on here in the Golden GIB studios when that trumpet plays. i got to figure out how to turn the volume down so I don't, like, lose my hearing. But anyway, all right, praise God. Next one up. Ugandan doctors fear uh, face fear and shortages in the Ebola outbreak. Well, that's fascinating, because at the same time that's happening, the United Kingdom Hospital is in – a United Kingdom Hospital is currently in lockdown because the first suspected Ebola case is now being investigated there. And the UK. So where else will we see it? I don't know. Next one up. Fast spreading new COVID-19 subvariant XBB as part of a new class of Omicron. Dun, dun, dun. Americans to see the highest Thanksgiving gasoline prices ever in the history of the world. Next one up. How's it done? Over 3 million Brazilians protest election fraud. And they're not going home anytime soon. I hope somebody's bringing them like, you know, I don't know, like a Big Macs or something, man, because they've been in the streets now for like ever. All right. Praise God. Over like, you know, they, they know it's fraud. And they're, you know, but 
anyway, I'm not going to get into it. Them versus us, and why do we just that? You know, well, here's the thing: is if we go out and protest, the January 6th committee and all the corrupt FBI people will knock our doors down and put us in jail. They're still there. Next one up: a quarter of Americans at risk of winter power outages and grid emergencies. Okay, so over 25% of the United States is supposedly at risk for that to happen here. Another headline reads: Why are Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab at the G20? Excellent question. You're never going to get the answer. The answer is they are just acclimating everybody to get them used to the global reset becoming a reality so that they eventually say, wow, kind of like with the election fraud, wow, I don't know if we're going to – I get, what are we going to do, Right. That's they they want you they're acclimating you. Praise God. Next one up. Therapists say psychologists say that they cannot meet the high demand as anxiety and depression linger. When you look at the actual numbers here, it's absolutely astonishing. It's fascinating too because I was going to become a psychologist when I was uh my dad was like, Son, what are you gonna become? You know, I was like, I don't know, back in um probably around 77, 78. And um, I, I was like, you know, I don't know, Dad, I was thinking about becoming a psychologist. And he's like, well, Time Magazine says that, uh, uh, you know, uh, one in five people will have mental disorders uh, in the next 20 years. I wonder what that number is now. And I'm just so happy my dad talked me out of that. He's like, you know, son, I just don't want you to make the same mistakes I did in life. You know, choosing being a school teacher wasn't really wise when it comes to being able to feed your family and everything. I wish I'd made some other choices in my life. And if you become a psychologist, you're going to starve the rest of your life. And I don't want you to starve like me, son. Why don't you go into technology? <laughs> All I can say is he hit the ball way out of the park on that one. Thank you, Jesus, for, you know, thank you, Father, wherever you are. And I believe that you're in heaven because... The scripture says, <laughs> in uh, 1 Corinthians 7:14, it says, "The unbelieving husband is is sanctified by the believing wife, and the unbelieving uh, wife is sanctified by the believing husband. Otherwise, your children would not be holy." So I got that. Plus, I also pray for him and everything else. So praise God, thank you, Jesus. And yes, there is no place in the Bible, not a place, that says you cannot pray for people that have passed. Okay. As a matter of fact, I have a testimony of a person who died. His mother did not know he died. He was in hell burning in fire. Okay. He was on Sid Roth. He was in hell burning in fire. His mother had no idea that he was in hell burning in fire. And she was on her knees continuing to pray for her son as she did every single morning. Please, Father, save his soul. Please, Father, save his soul. Please, Father, save his soul. And by golly, if God did not send an angel down to hell and grab that boy out. And he later became a pastor. So all this poppycock that you hear from other Christians out there, oh, it's appointed the man to die once and then face judgment. There's no, no. They read too much into things, and then they make their own little doctrines, which are just lies from the devil and, and intended to prevent us from doing things that we can do, but we're afraid to do because we can't find the Scripture to back it. I say greater things than these do we do because our King Jesus has gone under the Father, and that to me is limitless. Glory to God. All right, and on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Sister Terry Hill. Here we go.
Praise God. Sister Terry, are you there? John, I'm here. Can you hear me? You sound great. The microphone is all yours. I oinked up 25 minutes of your time. I always run 15 minutes over, but I didn't know I was going to go an extra 10. But anyway, thank you for your patience. God bless you so much. Um, And the microphone is yours. Thank you. Well, thank you, John, for uh, once again for the privilege of being able to share and to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, It's a joy and a blessing. And uh, before I open in prayer and take you into the word with what I'm impressed to share, I just want to uh, extend the invitation to someone or anyone who would like prayer. You can contact me at a word in due season 777 at gmail.com. And I'm happy to take your prayer requests and uh, just know that um, Jesus is always interceding and praying for the saints according to the will of Father. And I'm certainly happy to join in. Uh, in your behalf and pray. So let's open. Father, I thank you so much for this time that you've given. Father, I thank you that you told us to, uh, that the days are evil to be good stewards of our time and, and to know that uh, the days are short, that the very hairs on our head are counted. Uh, we know that our life is like a vapor. And Father, we want to be good stewards of the time that you've allowed us here, uh, not only as we walk upon the earth, but uh, as we have time to share your word now with your people online. Father, I ask that you would take that now, which I have prepared and and, uh, written out and studied and waited upon you. And I ask that you would bring forth what you know your people need to hear. And this we ask, Father, for the glory and honor of our King Jesus, amen. You know, beloved, I want you to know that um, though I haven't met you, most of you, uh, it's a joy for me to pray for you and to ask the Father, what is it that your people need, Father? One of the things my husband said is he said, Terry, just give them hope. I said, they're going to get hope tonight. Uh, The discouragement that I am um, uh, running into with people in the body of Christ and those that I talk to who are outside of Christ, of course, we want to share that good news. Beloved, we know that we live in a wicked world. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. But at the onset and at the beginning, I'd like to say that if you are born again from above, if you are a child of God, then we need to know and remember that we are good news people living in a world full of bad news. Remember, the gospel means good news. And Jesus is coming. And by his grace, we're still here today for a couple of reasons. Number one, that we might be perfected and conformed into the image of his very own son. And every trial and tribulation, every test, every affliction that we endure, not only helps to perfect us as we submit ourselves to Christ every day, but also it's an opportunity to give hope to people that we meet wherever we go, wherever we walk, whoever we talk to, just begin to share with them uh, and be a good listener, beloved. Some people just need someone to listen to them. Did you know that? And so let's start, I'm I'm impressed to start in the book of Psalms. I want to read Psalm 2, part of that uh, chapter to you right here. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth are taking their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Let us tear their fetters apart, they say, and cast away their cords from us. 
Now, I love what verse 4 says. It says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. That's our father. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And now I'd like to go um, over into Acts chapter 5 and read starting at verse uh, 25. Why did the Gentiles or the heathen rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So we see in Acts 4, 25 and 27, uh, we see something here. We just read in Psalms. We see something that is, um, I believe, significant for us today. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the people of Israel and the unbelieving Jews, the Gentiles, and the Roman authorities were all arrayed against the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they were not arrayed and standing against them, uh, both in Old and New Testament, beloved, Jesus warned us, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they are offended by me, they will be offended by you. So we're seeing a, a union here, uh, even at at the time of Christ, Herod and Pontius Pilate basically didn't even interact with one another, but they were united against one thing, uh, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of the unbelieving Jews and the Gentiles and the Roman authorities all came together against him. And so the Lord is strengthening us as, again, as we see and read, try to follow the news, and when it gets to the point we've heard enough, we just shut it off. We try to stay informed but we stay focused on the kingdom of heaven. We are pilgrims just passing through. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you, my brothers and sisters, pilgrims in Christ. We are just passing through. We are strangers and foreigners in this land. We're here to learn about him, to know him, and to make him known. We can cut off a whole lot of activities, a whole lot of um, things that um, perhaps we've committed ourselves to, but bottom line, is to draw closer to him and to make known to others the great God that we serve. Now, when we listen to the news and we follow what is happening and we come to the understanding, you know, yes, we understand fallen beings are tampering with the genetic code of man. They started back in Genesis 6-4. And we know that the goal of transhumanism is to create improved people with enhanced physical bodies and altered human beings. That's their goal. And the globalists believe that artificial intelligence and computers can perform better than human beings who are seen as commodities and hacks. And, and they say that, yes, men need to be enhanced and modified to become useful. And we know that the force that's behind this wicked world order is attempting to combine technology and biogenetic engineering and surveillance. And we're learning that there is a merging of the digital, robotic, biological, and spiritual worlds. And it goes on and on and on. We know that spokesmen for the New World Order say they're working to solve the problem of death to achieve immorality with the help of technology. And one of them has been quoted as saying, and I quote, you don't need to wait for Jesus Christ to come back in order to overcome death. We will turn ourselves into new kinds of gods. And so 
today as I share with you uh, about the faithful church at the end of the age. Jesus knew everything would be walking through. He knew uh, in advance and knows all things. And he continues to come to us and, and give us hope and encouragement, especially when we hear uh, hearing these um, spokesmen say their pursuit is not about goods and services. They say it's about bodies and brains and minds. They want to connect people to the Internet, to artificial intelligence, and they want to possess the body and control the mind of. But as I just read to you in Psalm 2, verse 4, it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Beloved, he scoffs at them because he knows what their end is. He scoffs at them because only he will allow them as God determined the boundaries, even the boundaries of the ocean, you can go this far, but you can go no further. So we can rest today in knowing that our Heavenly Father understands and knows that this time that we're walking on planet Earth is a time that we are gaining more and more knowledge about him as he reveals himself to us. And then as we walk about our day, asking him, praying without ceasing, Father, what can I share with this person? How do I pray for that person? What would you have me do today? Where would I go? Just learning to walk with him by and in the spirit is what we're all learning. And friends, what I'd like to do, uh, when I asked the Father, I said, could you talk to me? I mean, I only have an hour, Lord, maybe a few minutes over an hour. But if you're talking to us about the faithful church at the end of the age, what is it exactly uh, that you want us to look at tonight? And there were two individuals in scripture that I am feeling impressed to look at their lives just for a minute because I think there's some things that uh, we can glean from that. So I wanna take you into the book of Daniel. I've been in the book of Daniel for a while now and there's some things here. And as I was sitting with the Lord this morning, I was praying for Brother John And I was praying for all of you, knowing that you need hope, that you need encouragement, that you need direction, because we all do, knowing that we need God's word and an understanding of God's work. And as I was sharing, the Lord led me to a couple places in Daniel, and I want to start here with this. And this is in Daniel 9. And Brother John, I want to share this with you to encourage you and with all my brothers and sisters who I have not yet met, but whose prayers have sustained me and held me up. Sister Nancy, I love and appreciate you as well. Listen to what the Lord says. Daniel is praying in Daniel 9, verse 20, and this is what it says. Now, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord God in behalf of the holy mountain of God, verse 21 says, while I was still speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness. I want to say that again. He came to me, an angel came to Daniel in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. Verse 22, he gave me instruction and he talked with me. And he said, oh, Daniel, I have come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued. I have come to tell you, for you, Daniel, you brothers and sisters, listen, are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Number one, I want to tell you, 
that angels are involved with strengthening the saints. And I was so impressed to share this with you because this morning my eyes fell on this, and I knew that some people, as we pray, it's wearing. We get worn out. We get tired just trying to go about our day with our jobs, our responsibilities, with preparing um, to share a message. There is extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering, and that's the truth, beloved, because the midnight hour is now upon us. So we're moving from evening to midnight. That is a fact. Now, I want to take you back also into Daniel and share something with you in Daniel 5. In this particular chapter, Belshazzar uh, has made a feast, uh, basically to honor all of those in his kingdom, but especially to honor himself. Now, listen to what it says in verse 4. All of these nobles are drinking the wine, praising the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron. Verse 5 says, suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. So this is what the king is seeing. He's seeing the back of the hand. And so he is alarmed. Um, He's calling in the Chaldeans and the wise men, and he's saying, if anyone can interpret this and explain its meaning, I'm going to clothe him with purple, et cetera, et cetera. He's alarmed. And the queen in verse 10 says to him, you know, don't be upset. There's a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. So dropping down uh, to verse uh, let's see, Daniel was brought in before the king. So the king spoke to him and said, are you this Daniel? I've heard about you, uh, and so on. He says, I've heard that you're able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you're able to read this inscription and make its interpretation, no, you're going to be clothed with purple. So he goes on and on and says, I'm going to do all of this for you. Now notice the response of this godly messenger in verse 17. Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to someone else. He said, however, I will read the inscription to the king and I will make known the interpretation to him. Now, one of the things that I want to emphasize here in verse 5, it says that the lampstand was near the plaster of the wall. So I would like to share with you that we can only read what is written on the wall in the light of scripture, beloved. Again, the scripture is where we stand. It is our boundary. Uh, It is Jesus, uh, the word of God made flesh. Jesus is the logos, the word incarnate. And so any interpretation that comes, as we see this here with Daniel, who brings an interpretation of what this hand is writing on the wall, uh, this kingdom was about to come down and this king's time was up but again it's clear that the lampstand was right there and so again whatever we read what is written on the wall it is because it is in the light of scripture and in weariness God answers your prayer okay and we know also in uh, I want to share one more thing with you in Daniel 6 1 to 13 They answered and said, Daniel, one of the exiles, is paying no attention to you. We have Daniel who has refused to bow to this image that was set up. And we need to understand, too, and be aware that 
God has written these things down for us. We are told in Daniel 7:21 that the Antichrist and certainly the spirit of this age, the Antichrist spirit, makes war against the saints. And that's in Daniel 7:21. And we see also in Daniel 7:25 that he seeks to wear down the saints. Uh, and that includes persecution and afflictions that he may uh, directly send our way or just by virtue of living in a world that is hostile toward God and hostile toward anyone uh, who chooses to walk with the Lord. So I want to just remind you that with Daniel and with his experiences, we know that Daniel refused to bow. He prayed uh, certain times of the day. We know what happened when he was thrown into the lion's den. We saw how God preserved him. We saw how the angel, in this case Gabriel, uh, strengthened him and came to him and said, I'm here to give you understanding. And I believe that this is because Daniel was a God-fearing man, uh, because he would speak only what God told him to speak. He had no desire to receive a reward from the king of, of this world, in this case, uh, Belshazzar. He said, I don't want your rewards. I don't want your honor. He said, uh, keep your reward. Give it to someone else. Uh, but we see an honorable servant here, and we know that the end of the age, that the wise will have understanding. We've shared before and said that this is a type two, I believe, also of the wise virgins, as the oil is uh, what illuminates the lampstand. And the wise virgins certainly have plenty of oil for the lamps. The wise will understand and will give understanding to others. And so I believe that as long as we um, stay in God's word, that we hold fast to the lamp, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As we at the present time pay that price for the oil that we are going to need as we continue to watch through the long watches of the night, for indeed the midnight hour is coming upon us. In fact, I believe is right now. Now, when I was looking at Daniel, and, and I, some other things, too, I want to share with you. I was also impressed by the Lord to um, mention Joseph to you. If we talk about faithful people and a faithful people at the end of the age, what will they look like? What is their character like? What can we learn from their lives? We see and we know from the life of Joseph in um, the book of Genesis that Joseph's ministry reveals coming events and world conditions as well. So we know that Joseph had dreams uh, which foretold the future of individuals. And we know that Joseph has the answers and the understanding that is needed for his time. We see this in Genesis 40. And we know, of course, Jesus being a strong type, or excuse me, of Joseph being a strong type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is a a man who walked with God, who had a vision of the throne, who was hated by his brothers. We know he was cast into a pit, that he was pulled out of the pit, then brought into Egypt. We see that people like Joseph are visionaries, all right? They have God's interpretation of coming world events. And we know that Daniel also had the interpretation. He was faithful to the Lord. And again, that lampstand is a key. And having... Um, the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. We know that Joseph has the wisdom of God to prepare for the future. And because Joseph had a vision for the throne, they can see, um, and people like Joseph, Joseph's company, if you would, can see their role in God's earthly dominion, which is the field, 
and God's heavenly dominion, which is the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, we are walking upon earth now. We know that when Jesus comes, certainly uh, he will make this mess. Uh, He will restore it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to fix it. It's not our job to fix it. Political leaders are not our saviors. I think that's worth repeating at least once tonight. Uh, Regardless of um, what we see or hear that is coming out of Washington, that is coming across uh, the elitist-owned network and the disinformation campaign and the narrative that we're being subjected to day by day, we, we can understand and see that God has faithful people, and he's recorded this for us. Also, another thing about Joseph, by occupation, he was a shepherd, okay? So he fed the father's flock. And so those who are going to be called to rule and reign with Christ are in some way committed to caring for and feeding and nurturing the Lord's flock. Now, we know that both Joseph and Daniel learned humility and obedience through the things that they suffered. And we find in Scripture with different ones, including Daniel, that the overcomer was first, uh, at least in uh, Joseph's case, he was first a slave in the house of Potiphar. By the way, Potiphar worshipped a false god. Um, But until the time that the word of the Lord came to him, the appointed time of the Father, the word of the Lord tried him. It proved him. It refined him and tested him. And this is what all of us are going to. Now, I know that accusation, betrayal, and persecution is not something that is popular to talk about. But accusation and betrayal and persecution, beloved, are in fact the pathway to becoming a partaker of his glory. And the increasing persecution that will be coming, we'll find that our Father will use persecution to separate the faithful from the unfaithful. Uh, Persecution has a purifying effect on the church. Now, I want to say something to all of us. It's important that we remember that we are all called ambassadors for Christ. Um, Jesus, in a a three-and-a-half-year period of time, clearly spelled out his requirements of what it means to be his disciples. And clearly he told us that suffering is going to be a part of it. But if we can remember, even as Joseph was destined for the throne, if we remember and understand he overcomes, we'll sit with him in his throne, and that is an absolutely glorious promise that we cannot even fathom. Um, Another thing, too, that I've become aware of, and perhaps you are too, as I learn to recognize and accept my own weakness and failure, okay, recognize it, it's okay. Uh, If you and I can recognize and accept our weakness and failure as a condition for knowing divine, supernatural power, something happens in us. It's as though there's a compassion that God um, begins to birth in us in a greater degree, and it brings us a revelation of God's great grace. And when we can see the great grace and we are recipients of that, it will, in fact, enable us to extend mercy and compassion toward others. So all of us who are, in fact, messengers of God, all of us witnesses for Christ, we may have the ability to assimilate knowledge, and that's a good thing, to assimilate knowledge. We may have the ability to acquire information by listening to things or reading books. We may have the ability to understand deep 
spiritual truth. But we need the wisdom and the character of God to shape us into a vessel of honor, all right? And so when you wake up tomorrow and you realize God has given you a new day, and the Bible tells us mercies are new every morning, recognize that it's an opportunity for my father, for your father, to shape us into a vessel of honor. Remember, we're just passing through. Happy Thanksgiving, brothers and sisters. We're all pilgrims here. If we can be thankful, thankful that we can get up in the morning, hopefully dress ourselves, feed ourselves, drive ourselves, walk, go to work, uh, help people, do what we do, clean house, fix, pick up the yard, go to work. You know, all of these things I know at times are wearying and exhausting, and we don't exactly some days, sometimes we just would like to put, pull the covers up over our head and say, I don't want to get even up out of bed. But if we understand that it is God's opportunity to perfect us and to help reach one more person to share some encouragement, to share gospel, which means good news with someone else. If we remember that the primary factor is not what we know, but it's who we know, and that we can come to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. There is a fellowship of his sufferings that the overcomer will have to taste. This is nothing new. I know that you have heard this before, but Paul prayed it in Philippians 3.10 that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed even unto his death. And Jesus bore our sorrows. Now listen, that we might enter into his sorrows. Now this is something that I really, when I heard the gospel message in the beginning, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed salvation. I wept for weeks after I got saved. I mean, this was a, a, a transformation. God did a, a, a work in me so quickly. But as I walk with him longer and longer, and you're probably experiencing this as well, he began to talk to you about suffering, that the servant of the Lord has to suffer and to enter into his sufferings and his sorrows over the world and over people. This creates a burden for the lost that we might be interceding and praying for them. and and an opportunity to share kindness, to be a good listener, an opportunity to give when no one else knows except the Lord, an opportunity to pray when no one hears except the Lord. It's, it's as though he be, we begin to learn something. We, this is something I'm only speaking in, in my own behalf, something I'm really learning because my life has changed so drastically in a year. We must learn to rejoice in the will of God rather than just the service of God, okay? Let me just stop right there and say, I know that we're to occupy until he comes. I know that we are to allow God to use our gifts for his honor and for his glory. But I'm seeing something here, beloved, that's deeper at work now. I'm seeing an individual and the preciousness of what God says. If you enter into my sufferings, you are going to know me in a deeper and more profound way like my servant Job. And as I'm talking to you, the Holy Spirit is bringing this up to me. Remember my servant Job. By the time the last chapter was written in Job 42, God had brought Job from that place 
Job actually said, I have heard about you by the hearing of mine ear, but now my own eye sees you. Job had a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ after extended period of time of suffering and bereavement and loss and sickness and afflictions of many kinds. This this man is an amazing man. But at the end of his life, we see the, the restoration, the double portion that God brought him. But in the interim, as you and I are walking through this time, as some of you and some of us have suffered the loss, perhaps of a spouse or a loved one, perhaps that you've suffered the loss of a job or a home or possessions, or perhaps you have suffered the loss of friends. It could be any number of things, and you're sitting and you're listening and you're saying, but Sister Terry, you don't know what I'm going through. And, and beloved, I'd like to say, no, I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that Jesus is there for you, and he is a friend who's closer than a brother. And if you are in a place where you are walking in a higher degree of suffering than you've ever known or even lost, remember in God's eyes he is touched by the things that touch you. But remember what he's really looking for, that which is lost. Number one, his lost sheep and the lost son, the prodigal son. Now, there are many things that we grieve over, and he knows that. But if we can understand that in eternity what matters are people, in eternity what matters is that the character of Christ is being formed in us and through us, And as we know that there are um, promises given to those who overcome, it will help us to know that you're not the only one that's suffering, beloved. You're not the only one. And Paul talked in the book of Hebrews. uh, He said you were um, willing um, to rejoice in the the loss of all things that you had. And Paul said in, in Philippians, he said, I count everything but dung, but loss, but for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, We're hearing from an aged man when Paul wrote, he had walked through some things, but always in his heart, he was always praying for the church. He was always caring about the saints and giving in any way that he could. He never wanted to be a burden to anybody. He was a tent maker. He paid his own way. He also said, I've also known what it is to abound and to abase. He said, I've learned, therefore, in whatever state I am in to be content. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still working on that part, and I I can tell you that um, with some change that has come in my life and in my husband's and and having to relinquish some things, and the Lord said, you have to let some things go. And what I'm realizing now is the preciousness of knowing how wonderful he is and how gracious he is and how kind he is, what really matters is rejoicing in his will for us, beloved, not just service. You know, Jesus even prayed in Luke 22. He said, if it's possible, Father, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Some of you have been tasting some really bitter things. You've been tasting from a cup of sorrows. Now, we know about the banqueting house, don't we, beloved? We know about the joy of sitting at his banqueting table and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we see people healed and bodies touched, and I just had that actually happen in my life this past week. Wow, did God touch and strengthen my body. So we rejoice in that. And But there is a cup of sorrows also. It's a greater dimension, I believe, the Lord is taking his people into prior to his appearing. 
for the love, the great love that he has for our neighbors, for our unsaved family uh, members and for friends. Father truly wants us to have an eternal perspective of how and why he uses the affliction that you and I are going through, okay, to help shape us and to conform us into that image. Beloved, I know it's hard to comprehend, but if we could remember, if you could just remember this, please. We are being fitted purposes of God in this present age for the age to come, for our roles and for our assignments. And if we remember that there is a crown, okay, a crown that is awaiting those who are faithful. And right now what it is is we're learning to be ruled by Christ now so that when he appears, we can rule with him in the millennial age and be gone and beyond that. So the gift of eternal life, as we know, is not the same as a crown which is earned. And we've talked about crowns before. There is a gift to be received, but there's also a prize to be won. And if we can remember and keep in mind that God's gift of eternal life is truly a gift, beloved, but there's a prize at the end of this race, all right? And cling to it, hold fast to it. And neglected opportunities or wasted talents or careless living or compromise or procrastination or broken promises are all things that can determine whether or not we receive or lose rewards. And the faithful church at the end of the age, it seems that the narrow, uh, the road that was narrow is becoming even more narrow. I don't know if you're noticing that, but the faithful church, which I'm, you know, hoping to share with you, is the Lord is showing us that we do worship him in spirit and truth, that we're on a very narrow way, that we must test the spirit, and we must warn against false brethren, friends, if there's immorality, if there's false doctrine, uh, if there's love of money, something's wrong there. Run the other way. Don't listen, all right? The faithful church loves the Lord Jesus Christ above all else. The faithful church does not love money or the things of the world. Yes, we need money. We need things to get by. I get that. But these things can all be distractions, beloved. Ask the Lord what you can let go of. Ask him if there are any things or um, uh, obligations that you have taken upon yourself that he has not placed on you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so, again, if we've lost our joy, and I'm not saying that, that we don't have pain in our lives, but I'm saying if the, if the joy is gone, if the joy is left, ask him, Father, is there something I've taken upon myself? Um, or committed to something? Is there something that is dragging me and pulling me under? Uh, ask him. Just relinquish those things in the name of Jesus. And again, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, he is not a taskmaster. Yes, there are times that we go through things and we wonder, wow, how much longer can I take this? Can I bear up under this? But again, knowing that there's a crown that's waiting, we know that we can push through and in behalf of our children, in behalf of people who are watching our lives. I'm not sure that we really realize how many people are watching us and they're wanting to say, wow, is this, is this person really going to live up to what they say? 
But I just want to encourage you, remember, the Word of God talks about crowns, and one being the incorruptible crown, okay? Uh, practicing of self-control, uh, conquering that sin that so easily besets us, putting off the things of the world, the crown of righteousness. Uh, again, is not the same as a gift of righteousness. It is a crown earned by one who has fought a good fight, who lives righteously. The crown of life is given to the one who... Um, uh, has become a martyr or those who have lost their lives for his sake, who are faithful unto death. The crown of rejoicing, uh, the soul winner, praise God. The crown of glory uh, is earned by shepherds who tend and lead and feed the flock of God, those who make disciples. And I know that um, there's so much more that I could say about crowns, but let me just say that um, God has also given us examples in the word of God of people who were not faithful. And everything that he's written in, in his word is for our uh, learning and instruction, isn't it? It's for our admonition. Remember, Esau sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. Um, the spirit was poured out on King Saul initially. He began in the spirit, but he was disobedient. He ended in the flesh. Uh, then there was Jonathan. Uh, and also Michal, who was um, uh, King Saul's daughter. Both of these, Jonathan and Michal, were children of King Saul. They made a covenant, or Jonathan made a covenant with David, but he remained loyal to Saul's house. He forfeited his position in David's kingdom and was killed by the Philistines. He would not leave Saul's house. He thought he would change uh, a kingdom that in God's eyes was already dead. So we have to check our loyalties, don't we? Um, remember, uh, Paul said that the faith of Hymenaeus and Alexander was made shipwrecked, okay? And the scripture tells us in 2 Timothy that Demas forsook Paul and his ministry, having loved this present world. So there are faithful ones in scripture, but there are others that were unfaithful. And the Lord put those there because they started out right, but something happened. They began to go the wrong way. Now, I want to say something a little bit more about Joseph and the stripping that he endured. There are some, again, here's a man who has a vision for the throne. Uh, He was stripped of his coat. We know his father gave him a coat. Uh, He received three things from his father. He received uh, his identity, his birthright, and his blessing. And uh, we know that that pits have been dug uh, through which God's people could be pushed into or could fall into. And we can ask the Lord, Lord, help us uh, to avert those pits. Help us to open our eyes that we would not fall into a trap or a plan or a snare or a pit that has been dug for us by the enemy. But, beloved, know even this. If you find yourself in a pit today, maybe you willingly jumped in, maybe you fell in, maybe you slid in, but regardless of the reason, if you find yourself in a pit of despair or discouragement or hopelessness, if you feel there is no way out, I'm here to tell you there is a way out because God has declared it, because God has purchased you uh, through the uh, gift of his son and his son's blood has paid for your life. He was stripped of his coat. Joseph was stripped by Potiphar's wife. She's a type of the harlot. Um, She sought to trap Joseph. And through her system of control and seduction, she wants to be intimate with Joseph. And uh, we know that the harlot system will try this with God's people. Uh, The harlot seeks to call God's people into this, um, the harlotry that we read about in uh, Revelation 17 and 18, the harlot of the earth. 
we know that um, in Joseph's case, um, she caught his garment and Joseph had to flee. And Joseph fled from Babylon's corrupt religious influence. And this is something every one of God's servants needs to do. He was falsely, he was sent to prison. And he had to endure isolation and understanding. Beloved, has it entered into your mind? I want you to consider this. Could it be that the call of God that is upon your life is what has allowed you to walk through what you have walked through and, in fact, what you are experiencing today? Could it be that the stripping that you have endured, the understanding and the hatred by other brethren and um, uh, being uh, abandoned by your own brothers in Christ or being stripped by Potiphar and then finally at the appointed time he becomes an overseer among all the prisoners did you happen to think or have you considered that you may find yourself in a place of confinement or imprisonment whatever that prison may look like but there are other prisoners that are walking you and in fact it is well said that this is a prison planet and others are watching you but God raised him up. You know, Joseph stayed sweet in the prison house. He understood that God was faithful. He understood that God had promised him. He understood that God had given him a dream of the throne. He understood and he saw some things uh, by by the dreams that he had. And at the right time, because the favor of God rests upon Joseph, even as the favor of God rests upon you, if you are his child, okay, His godly behavior was seen by the people around him. And his gift of revelation was revealed to Pharaoh, who actually sent for him at the appointed time. And at that time, uh, even though he had endured the mocking, the false accusation, he moved from the prison to the palace when God said, you're done in that prison place. Now you're moving into the palace. You see, at the appointed time, it says in Genesis 41 that they brought Joseph hastily out of the dungeon, shaved him, changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. And so Joseph shed his prison clothing after years of being faithful to God in the prison house, beloved, years. Stripping comes after great times of testing and affliction. The overcomer emerges after a long period of time of faithfulness to reign with Christ. And yes, it is a long period of time when you're going through it. Now, I promise you, God gives you times. He gives us times. He's given me times of rejoicing and refreshment and laughter and a time to fellowship with the saints and a time to get out and and to enjoy nature or to get away. Uh, He gives us those times. But when you're enduring a long season in the prison house, it seems like forever. When you're enduring a time when you haven't seen the change that you know God said would come, we must understand that when we realize and look at Joseph's life, we look at the faithfulness of of, uh, Daniel, Pharaoh's ring actually is placed upon Joseph's hand, and he is arrayed in vestures of fine linen. And the bride at the present time is working hard to um, keep every spot and blemish and wrinkle uh, out and to keep her garments unspoiled and unspotted from the world. So you see, this is our opportunity. Uh, If something begins to come on us, uh, a wrong thinking, uh, wrong actions or speech or um, 
things of the world begin to defile us again or we fall back and we soil ourselves. It's a time to be washed with the water of the word and he is giving us another day, another opportunity because the Father sees overcomers are going to rule and reign with Christ. And so a gold chain was put on Joseph's neck and he was made ruler over all the land of Egypt. He was exalted to the throne and everything operated according to his word. Now, we know that Joseph had to function in his ministry under the custody, okay, of Potiphar. So uh, this is similar for, for us, all right, while we conduct our ministry within the sphere of a false god. Now, we know that Potiphar, actually his name meant uh, the son God has given. And, and so when we understand that we live in the sphere of a false god and the whole power of this world lies under the power of the wicked one. We still refuse to bow to the God of this age. Joseph wouldn't bow. Daniel wouldn't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow. And when we understand that his life is a pattern, not only of the Lord Jesus, but it's being repeated by those who follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We are seeing that people are watching you and me and As we conduct ourselves, the favor of the Lord rests upon those who are walking with the Lord. We need to understand that now is our time to minister to others, okay? Because we will be released from this custody that we are presently under. And we are being like salt, a preservative. Yes, and this preservative salt brings a stinging rebuke to the rebellious, right? And we're to function as light, who delivers revelation knowledge in the earth, that there is a kingdom that is coming. Uh, And Joseph also was not a tale bearer. He was a truth speaker, okay? And he continually acknowledged his dependence upon the Lord. Uh, Pharaoh actually changed Joseph's name to Zaphnath-Paneah, and that name means revealer of secrets. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, Daniel 2.28. Beloved, there are some glorious things ahead for those who are faithful, for the glorious church that is not glorious at this time, but shall be, because Jesus sees the end from the beginning, and he knows every affliction. He knows as we sit on that potter's wheel that the imperfections in the clay are being worked out, and he is presenting to us and reminding us, and again, it is our choice. Will we pay the price to endure into the end? He who endures to the end shall be saved. And Jesus did spell it out clearly for us. We know that when the cry was made at midnight to announce the coming of the bridegroom, that the wise virgins had paid a price. At that moment when he was revealed, they had paid a price for their extra supply of oil. And they were prepared to meet him. Now, I want to remind myself and all of us tonight, that there are things we have to buy from him, all right? We have to buy from him true riches, Revelation 3.18. What are true riches? True riches, the gold of purified faith, which is refined and tested by fire. Gold is a non-corrosive metal. Jesus told us, Revelation 3.18, you need to buy three things from me, true riches, white garments, and I saw and he wants us to pay a price to buy from him white garments, which are clean and pure, free of spots and blemishes and wrinkles. 
And so tomorrow when we step out of the door and we start a day, we're going to have opportunities. And with the opportunities and the challenges that we're going to face, it's going to be an opportunity for us to free ourselves of any spots and blemishes and wrinkles. Now, a wrinkle is an inconsistency. If something is, for example, folded, the garment that the bride wears has no wrinkles. There are no inconsistencies. There are, there are areas of our lives the Holy Spirit is showing us. This is an area in your life where I want you to be consistent, okay? So it's good that we continue to walk and we make progress. And then, by golly, I tell you what, we fall and we bruise ourselves and we, we get dirty. But you know what? We shake off the dust. We get up and we start again. And we ask him to forgive us try to justify ourselves. Jesus doesn't want us to do that. We have to be honest, transparent before him and before one another. And the other thing he wants us to buy from him is eye salt. And that's a spiritual ointment to help heal our blindness, which gives us eyes to see. So there are opportunities as we are given exceeding promises, all right? We're given a promise, beloved. He that overcomes is going to eat from the tree of life. What a glorious, glorious promise. The overcomer is going to receive a crown. The overcomer will escape the second death. The overcomer will partake of the hidden manna. The overcomer is given a white stone. Again, a white stone was given by a judge in biblical days indicating that there was a pardon for a person who was convicted. Okay, The overcomer is preserved and kept from the hour of trial, according to Revelation 3.10. We're told to watch and pray always that we would be found worthy to escape that which shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The overcomer is going to rule and govern the nations with a rod of iron. So what he's doing now is he's asking us to bow the knee completely, to yield, surrender, to bend before him and say, yes, Lord, I, I receive that rod of correction. I thank you, Father, that thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So a rod of iron speaks of God's unbending authority, okay, with which the people will be subdued and participate. And those who rule and reign with with Christ will actually participate in the complete defeat of rebels. So the Father is wanting to get all rebellion out of my life and out of yours. He wants us to yield not make excuses, not compromise, not put it off till another time. Quickly, quickly, Terry, do this now. Quickly, now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. He's wanting us to bend and yield to his authority because he's going to have a people who are going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. The overcomer is given the morning star, so a star is symbolic of a ruling power. It's an influence or a messenger. It's also symbolic of a glorified saint who will rule in the heavens, according to Daniel 12.3. The overcomer is going to walk with Christ in white. The overcomer's name is eternally in the book of life and will not be blotted out, according to Revelation 3.5. Okay? Overcomers are confessed. Their names are confessed before the Father. The overcomer is made to be like a pillar in God's temple. A pillar is symbolic of stability and strength that's built upon a foundation. A a, a pillar is immovably firm. If you live in California like I do, you will understand that when the ground begins to shake out here, we know that that which is 
a, like a pillar or that which is very firm is not going to shake and come down when things um, begin to blow in the storm that is upon us and is going to be increasing. So a pillar speaks of an individual who is stable and is strong and is built upon a foundation. It speaks of a ruler, in fact. And the overcomer will abide continually with God, those who love him and keep his commandments. The overcomer is given a new name. And so, beloved, the faithful church at the end of the age knows the Lord is coming, and there's an expectancy in the heart of saying, I know that these things are winding down. I know that we, we dwell in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And yet at the same time, we are good news people who live in a world full of bad news. And regardless of what we hear on the news, yes, we're paying attention. Yes, we are watchful. Yes, we are burning the midnight oil. And yes, the Lord wakes us up at night and talks to us and we pray and we're quickened by his spirit. But again, remember that Jesus clearly spelled out his requirement of what it means to be his disciple, to be found faithful. Well, disciples deny themselves and carry their cross, don't they? And so that means I have to sometimes deny giving my own opinion for the sake of listening so that I can hear between the lines and not only read between the lines. So disciples love their enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Disciples don't love the things of the world. Disciples manifest the life of Christ. Disciples have one master. Um, Jesus reminds us, no man can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other, who will hold fast to one and despise the other. Jesus told us clearly, you can't serve both God and mammon. He said, you uh, don't be called rabbi, for what is your master, even Christ, and you are brethren. Disciples, forgive others continually. Beloved, we're going to have more and more opportunities, especially as persecution and afflictions and things begin to increase. We're going to have to forgive them. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We know that the dogs, for example, surrounded him. We read in in Psalm 22, we read about uh, dogs. Actually, dogs are um, a symbol of those who are outside of the city. Revelation 22.15 tells us, Um, And um, Psalm 59 says that there are those who howl like dogs, the pagans. He's talking about the pagans. And this is a type of those who are vicious, vicious people who circled around Jesus at the cross, and they are outside of God's city. Um, God mocks his enemies because he knows what's coming. But nevertheless, as we walk here, sadly, we are hearing the, the voice of dogs who surround good and just people. We know that there are mobs that surrounded people in both Old and New Testament. It happened with Paul. And um, they were falsely accused. They would seek refuge in people's homes. And there were people, wonderful saints of God, whose gifts of hospitality were there for the right people at the right time under difficult and trying conditions. So we're going to have opportunities to house people and to show gifts of hospitality as people are going to be losing their homes. More and more people will be coming homeless. Um, The faithful will have opportunities to forgive others continually. Uh, The faithful disciples die daily. Uh, That's what Paul said. He said, I die daily. Uh, For your sake, Lord, we're killed all the day long. We're counted like sheep for the slaughter. 
disciples hold fast to the teachings of Christ, to um, biblical sound doctrine. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So that tells me that truth, truth hinges on abiding in the word of God. And um, knowing, too, as we hold fast to the word of God, uh, we will, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convince the gainsayers, those who would oppose us or uh, challenge us. And so the faithful church, um, disciples, demonstrate the spirit and the power of God as we fully preach the gospel. Uh, As Paul said, too, he said, I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom. He said, but in the demonstration of the spirit of God and power. And beloved, let me tell you, the power of God is manifested when we see an individual, a man, a woman, an individual has come to the end of the rope where they've reached a place where they said, God, I can't take another step without you. When the power of God comes and gives joy and gives divine supply and provision and creates a hunger for Jesus Christ in the hearts of other people, beloved, that is the power of God at work. And I'm grateful for times that bodies are healed. I'm grateful for times that prayers have answered. But I'm talking to people who are going through some stuff. I mean some tough stuff. And God wakes you up in the morning. And everything around you, you're being hit from one way or another. If it's not a phone call, it's a knock on the door, it's something that happens at work, it's a loved one falling sick, it's this happening and that happening. But by the grace of God, he holds you up and you walk on the water with him. And in the midst of the storm, we all know and remember when Jesus called out to Peter, it is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, beckoned me to come to you. And beloved, I'm here to tell you, he did walk on the water. Now, he may have sunk, but he took that step toward Christ and he miraculously walked in the midst of a storm. Jesus met him where he was and he will meet you where you are. And as he's revealing himself through the fellowship of sufferings that you may be enduring, as he's revealing himself to you more intimately, okay, Again, remember that we might know him, know him better, that I might know your heart, Lord. What gives you joy? What breaks your heart? What can I do today that, um, that hasn't entered into my mind? How is it that I can obtain a good report, Lord God? Because disciples who suffer with Christ obtain a good report. Hallelujah. Did you know that? You're obtaining a good report. You suffering servant, you pilgrims and strangers who are all walking together. We're all walking together, beloved. We are in this together. John has said that over and over again. I'm saying to you today, we are here for each other. We rejoice when you rejoice. We weep when you weep. We are with you. Jesus is interceding for you. But as you suffer, the word word of God says, if we suffer, we will also reign with him. Now, some of our brothers and sisters, according to Hebrews, listen to what they're going through. Cruel mockings, scourgings, bonds, imprisonment. Some were stoned. Some were sawn asunder. Some were tempted, were killed with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute. They were afflicted. 
They were tormented. But do you know what the word of God says about these people? Certainly contrary to what the the world would consider prosperous. You know what God says about them? He says, of whom the world was not even worthy. Okay? God has a different opinion and a different um, definition of prosperity. All right? Just compare the church of Smyrna to the church of Laodicea. You'll see it there. Jesus said of the church of Smyrna, he said, I know your poverty, but you are rich. He told the church at Laodicea, you say you're rich, but I say you are wretched, miserable, blind, poor, and naked. You know, Jesus doesn't mince words, does he? He's looking at an eternal perspective. He sees those who are now uh, without a place to live. He sees those now who are destitute, tormented, who are afflicted. And in fact, it says they wandered in deserts. They were in the mountains. They lived in caves and in dens of the earth. It says they obtained a good report through faith. Beloved, I want to obtain a good report. And murmuring and complaining and self-pity will not help me to get there. So, Father, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, you'd forgive all of us for murmuring and complaining and from having pity parties. Father, I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus, you remind us of our brothers and sisters in Christ all throughout the world who are behind bars, who have lost everything for the sake of Christ. I'm asking you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, if we begin to become too self-absorbed absorbed and feel sorry for ourselves, that you would awaken us and remind us that there are others who have laid down their very lives for the cause of Christ. Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would help us to endure to the end because it is written, you have said, we will be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Father, I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus for all of us that we would not count our lives dear to ourselves, that we might finish our course with joy, receiving the end of our faith, even the salvation of our souls. Beloved, disciples are disciplined and focused. Every parent who loves their child knows when it's time for discipline, and every parent who loves their child knows when it's a time for a father to to comfort that child on their lap and say, you know your daddy loves you because that's what a good parent does and that's what our heavenly father does. But he wants to remind us to stay focused. Friend, we don't have to know every detail about everything that's happening in the new world order. We don't have to know every detail of what is happening in politics. Yes, we have to be aware. Yes, we have to be watchful. But, beloved, we have to stay focused on our assignment and, above all, upon the lost that surround us every time we step out the door. You see, Jesus reminds us. He said, I'll leave the 99 to go and find the one. And there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. The angels rejoice. Certainly our Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rejoice. You see, disciples confess Jesus before men. That's what the faithful do. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who's in heaven. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Beloved, God's faithful have a love of the truth. And if you have a love of the truth, We will speak the truth in love, always 
graciously, always with the intent to restore, but we don't compromise when it comes to speaking the truth. Our souls are purified by obeying the truth. That's what First Peter tells us. And we are, each and every one of us, commissioned by Christ, as Jesus said. This is what the faithful church does, beloved. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be damned. He called together his 12, gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of heaven and to heal the sick. So the faithful church at the end of the age understands the fear of the Lord. And beloved, because we know the terror, the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And we know that as we give sacrificially of our time, as we give of our resources or any talent that God has given, Remember what we read, what Jesus recorded for us in Acts 4. The Bible says that those who believed were of one heart and one soul. It says that none of them uh, had, that had things which possessed considered to be his own, but they had all things in common. Neither was any among them that lacked. Many who possessed lands or houses sold them. Let me ask you a question. Are you prepared to sell your house or your land? to bring the price of those things, to lay them down at the feet of the disciples? Let me ask you, are you willing to turn and to say, these are things that have occupied my time and I can't take them into eternity with me, so I'm now going to sell them or walk away from them? Distribution would be made to every man according as he had need. Beloved, this is Acts 4, 32 to 36. This is the early church. This is the pattern of believers at the beginning of the church age. Above all else, disciples and faithful believers love one another. Everything hinges on love. Let brotherly love continue, beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If we love one another, then we know God is dwelling in us and his love is perfected in us. So I want to conclude now and talking about paying a price to be a faithful uh, member of God's church, to be a faithful disciple. True faith is going to pay a price. It will pay a price in obedience, in humility, in obscurity, in patience. It pays a price in loneliness, in discipline. It pays a price in long-suffering, which is enduring hardship for an extended period of time. It pays a price in labors of love, which is unseen by men, but known by God. It pays a price in prayer and in watching and watching for him and with him. And with that, I want to conclude and remind you how much you are loved by the Lord Jesus Christ and remind you that he counts every tear, he stored it up in his bottle, And remind you, beloved, that you have a glorious inheritance. If you are in Christ, you have a glorious inheritance in him. And I want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith, to keep your hands on the plow and press toward that mark of the high calling in. I love you, brothers and sisters. Remember what's most important. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. God bless you, John. 
and thank you. Praise God. Thank you so much, Terry, for joining us tonight and giving such a powerful, edifying, and encouraging message uh, for those of us who are, yeah, admittedly so, very weary, uh, you know, um, uh, for really good reason, for, um, you know, for an exceedingly extended period of time uh, with with a myriad of promises uh, from various prophetic voices that our imminent, uh, you know, departure was, well, it's long past already, these, these various predictions. So uh, we're on a whole new journey right now. We're, we're watching what's happening. Uh, but at the same time, we want to be sober-minded and um, take advantage of the opportunity that we have right now to draw in closer to the Lord and, and to be fruitful uh, and full of grace, uh, you know, as the days uh, continue to go darker. We just don't know how long. And, uh, and, and, you know, we shouldn't really preoccupy ourselves with that because you're right. It will drag us into the pit. We will get feel sorry for ourselves. We will fall into a state of depression. And you know what? We, we need to avoid that in any way that we can so that we can, you know, tarry on and, uh, and really have salt and, and excitement and joy in our testimony that we can help others to be able to see the glory that has been laid before us and the, th- and the hope that we all have. And it's not just hope. It's, it's absolute knowledge. It's, it's wisdom. It's, it's, it's excitement about the days that we have ahead. And um, thank you for expressing that in such a powerful and meaningful manner for everybody tonight because, you know, it is invaluable. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Sister Terry. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Always a blessing. And again, a word in due season, just like it sounds like, a word in due season.com. That'll take you to Terry's website. She also posts, I post uh, her uh, uh, show notes um, at tribulation-now.org. And also she posts them at a word in due season uh, uh, com as well. And you'll be able to get in touch with her for prayer and other, um, you know, um, counseling. Praise Jesus. So thank you all so much for joining us tonight. Tonight is Sunday, November the 20th. It looks like, okay, and this Wednesday, uh, I think I might go ahead and play the Ceremony Double Vision or the Ceremony Double Show back-to-back again this Wednesday simply because it is so jam-packed with information. You can't listen to it enough, uh, and it is the only one of uh, such a detailed chronology of end times events that uh, has been confirmed from hundreds of sources uh, uh, to the level or to the extent that this one has been confirmed. So it's the one personally that I trust the most uh, just because of the vast number of confirmations over such a long period of time. Praise God. So I think I may go ahead and rerun that again this Wednesday night. Everybody enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, praise Jesus. You know, we I say this every year. I admonish every one of us to, to you know, Ecclesiastes 7.14 and, and remember uh, that, you know, when we have have a time of prosperity. If there is a turkey on your table, remember the people that don't have it. Invite them over to your place. Break bread with them. Talk about Jesus. Lead them to the Lord. This is a great opportunity. We don't know how many. We don't know how many more months or years or whatever we may even have this opportunity presented to us. So let's take advantage of it and touch other people's lives. God bless you all, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the uh, Wednesday program and you are ready to also enjoy a blessing from the Lord. Um, Um, over the holidays. So anyway, God bless you, and thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Sister Terry.
See you all then. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your home. a reminder, and then Turkey out of the freezer. This is a reminder, and then Turkey out of the freezer. <laughs> 